Hi, everyone, and welcome to the January 22nd, 2021 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. Folks, the Canadian auto industry's future looks bright, as in Bright Drop, a new GM business venture that targets delivery services such as FedEx. To support that new business model, GM recently announced a $1 billion investment in its Cami plant in Ingersoll, Ontario, where the automaker currently assembles the Chevy Equinox. But soon, GM will assemble the EV600 electric commercial van there, and Equinox production will end. On today's show, we'll get the backstory on how that came to be, what it means for the future of the plant, and hear about a particularly Canadian innovation that's a big part of the project. All that and more when I speak with GM Canada President Scott Bell on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Scott, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Yeah, uh, it's great to be here, Greg. A lot of exciting stuff happened with GM. Uh, Can't wait to talk about it. You and I both. Let's start here. The contract, the current contract, isn't set to expire until September of this year, but negotiations quietly started on January 4th. I'm just wondering, what's the background or the backstory on how and why the talks were moved up by about eight months? Can you just fill me in on how that came to be? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you a little play-by-play. Uh, well, as you know, the last time we talked, we talked about the investments in, in Oshawa. So the contract that we had, we had secured with Unifor um, back in the November timeframe uh, really pertain to Oshawa and St. Catharines and, and our uh, parts of warehouse in, in uh, Woodstock. Uh, you know, a lot of great momentum coming out of that with, you know, the investments in Oshawa to build trucks, especially the investment, uh, significant investment in, in St. Catharines to build transmission. So we were, you know, we, we got through that negotiation. We were in a pretty good place. Uh, the background, and we'll get into it a little bit probably on, on the, the bright drop uh, operation you know, it's something we've been working on as a company. Uh, we knew we were going to make some big announcements at CES in regards to it. Uh, we knew we needed to move fast. Uh, and and we, we knew we needed a place to build it. And, and quite frankly, knowing that Cami was right around the corner and the fact that we had some energy coming off of what we did, we, you know, we went to the union and, and, and asked if we could get together here and, and talk about a potential opportunity and not wait until that opportunity potentially passed us by. So it was uh, an exciting uh, a month and a half here of, of you know, kind of having some discussions behind the scenes and then getting officially into it here right after the first of the year and really trying to accelerate it uh, to get something done, uh, knowing that we would be out on the street with the, the announcement at CES. So uh, a lot of great activity and uh, fortunately it worked out uh, in, in our favor in Canada and excited to have uh, this this huge investment for for Cami. You, you partially answered what was going to be my my second question. I was curious as to what came first. Was it, um, hey, we have Cami coming up. We need something to build in there, or was it we have this bright drop opportunity in this new van, the EV six hundred, and we need somewhere to build it. I just wonder how the two went together. Was Cami always part of that plan for the EV six hundred, or was the EV six hundred a standalone project, and then Cami just sort of answered the call as the place to be able to build it. Well, I, I guess I would put it in a much like Oshawa. You know, we 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 always are working on uh, what's the next opportunity for Canada, right? And and we knew that this van was sitting out there and and wanted to have a shot at it, and uh, um, and we knew that Cami uh, negotiations were coming, so we wanted to find a way to get to the table and and potentially. 
uh, piece something together that would be a win-win for for the union, for for Canada, and and uh, obviously for us. So it was uh, a little combination of both, I would say. And and but we knew we had to move fast if we wanted a, a real sh- a shot at it. And uh, uh, you know we were able to pull that together. So um, hats off to the team that really negotiated that uh, over the holidays and, and into the first of the year. What if anything else made Cami? Um, or Canada, the the right place to build the EV600 or build electric vehicles for for that matter. I just wonder if there was something else other than capacity that went into play. Does, is is are there other factors that make Ontario an attractive place to build electric vehicles moving forward? You know, I, I, there's a lot of things. Uh, the Ontario, um, the government's been working with us, uh, uh, you know, extensively. Um, they've done some uh, things here recently to reduce our tax base. They've, uh, as a, as a, uh, you know, kind of a, a sector, um, they've also done some things to reduce our, our utility costs, which is uh, certainly uh, helps play a role um, from a federal government perspective. I think we are are, are aligned uh, completely on you know uh, where we're going on, on electrification and, and innovation and. And some of the the things that the the federal government's put in place, um, you know, to to help uh, encourage that kind of uh, activity. So those certainly all all play a role um, in in our decisions. Uh, the other big piece of it is is that you know Canada's uh, we, we play a significant role in innovation. So our our engineering centers, which we talked about, I think the last time we were together in Markham and Oshawa, you know, over eight hundred plus were hiring. Uh, even more now with uh, the acceleration into electrification and EV. Uh, Bright Drop, there, we'll talk a little bit about it. There's a there's an e pallet that's part of this uh, this solution for delivery. Uh, that was really um, that whole idea came about here in our engineering center. So we've been actively involved in investing in in this uh, opportunity, a business opportunity, uh, for quite some time. So. It's it's a natural fit when you kind of put it all together, and to build the van here is 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 just awesome. Just to clarify that e pallet, um, that idea was was sort of contrived or conceived in Canada, or at least partially. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Partially, I, I, it, our um, our engineers are you know constantly uh, in Oshawa working on um, the kind of the future, if you will, and. Right. Uh, uh, they, they spent some significant time, uh, on this product and developed it. And we, you know, it was piloted here at a FedEx facility in Toronto. So, uh, um, that is, uh, yeah, that, that, that is a Canadian, uh, Canadian, uh, touched operation for sure. That That's incredible. And you mentioned FedEx, the, the, the bright drop business model has uh, a contract to supply FedEx 500 of these new EV 600 vans. Where does it go? from there with FedEx and, and how fast will production accelerate for just FedEx alone? Is it just 500 or is there a plan to go beyond that with FedEx? Yeah. I mean, obviously we're uh, there. There's a lot of excitement around uh, what this kind of uh, business can do for FedEx. If you will, this, uh, you know, it's a solution. It's, it's, it's more than the van. It's, it's partly the pallet that I talked about um, that pallet when they did their, uh, kind of test here in, in Toronto, um, you know, they, they were getting a 25% efficiency improvement um, from their drivers that were using uh, 
uh, that equipment. So there's a lot of benefit uh, to them. Uh, you know, this business uh, is exploding as COVID kind of drove, you know, the delivery business, the e-commerce business. Uh, we see it in the U.S. alone as being an $850 billion plus kind of an opportunity. Um, the growth is, is, is you know, uh, off the charts at this point, expected to grow nearly 80%, 78%, I think, by 2030. And, um, and it's really going to lead to a, an increase of these delivery vehicles by 36%, and especially in these top 100 cities around the world. So we see this business as a, as a massive growth opportunity. Uh, and, and with that, these companies are going to be looking for solutions uh, that not only can improve the efficiency and safety of, of their operation, but also uh, looking for solutions uh, that will, um, you know, limit their carbon footprint, right? So electrification is, is huge here. So there's a lot of excitement at FedEx. I can tell you after coming out of CES, there's just a lot of excitement in general uh, about what the solution could do uh, for this business going forward. So we're, uh, you know, I would love to tell you that we've got orders uh, just ready to go. We've got a lot of conversations happening, um, and uh, we're very optimistic that uh, there's a lot of growth here for us. Uh, we should probably just explain for um, our listeners out there, just in layman's term, can you just describe the e-pallet, what it is, what it does? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, uh, you know, think about, uh, you know, delivering goods, uh, we call it the, that last mile where goods are either moving from a van into a building uh, or moving from uh, the first mile, moving from the uh, warehouse facility uh, into the van. Uh, this is nothing more than just a, a, a self-driving kind of a, a cart, if you will, that will uh, take those packages and, and, and put them uh, neatly into the vehicle. And then likewise, on the other end, uh, be able to take them out of the vehicle and, and they very efficiently bring them uh, to their final destination. So a pretty unique setup, and there's obviously software uh, that goes along with this, and, and the van, the pallet, the software, they kind of all work together as, a, as an overall solution. So how many vans will Cami be able to produce at full capacity? What, production, what do the production numbers look like in 2021 and 2022 as the Equinox uh, production continues but also winds down at the same time. I'm just wondering how many vans you might churn out in, in 2022. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, we're, we're, uh, we don't necessarily share our production right. uh, volume and numbers, but I, I will, I will tell you that, uh, you know, the, the putting the van into this plant is the, in, the intent here is to, is to, is to keep all the jobs that we have today and then hopefully look for some, some upside They're They're apples and oranges. So they are not, what it takes to build an Equinox is completely different than what it takes uh, to build uh, a van. So, uh, you know, we'll look to run, you know, the same shift operations that we have today. Uh, as you mentioned, there's going to be a transition at some point, although we're, we're anxiously awaiting. Uh, if you recall, we had a new Equinox that we uh, had unveiled uh, really early on in COVID that we were planning to bring to market in the fall. Uh, that didn't, that didn't, uh, we had to uh, push it out based on the, the COVID issues that we dealt with, but that vehicle's coming here this summer. And, uh, uh, it's, it's very highly anticipated by our dealer network and our customers. So we're, we're excited to bring that to market and uh, we'll have a lot of, we'll have a good run with that as well. But there is a point in time where we will transition completely 
uh, into the van operation over the next few years. So this is a, it's a little bit putting you on the spot, but I am curious. So are, would you build, would you need the same number of hourly employees to build fewer vans? Cause you said they're, they're apples and oranges. So I'm just wondering in terms of employment, do you make fewer vans, but still need the same number of hourly employees to build that smaller number? Yeah. In, in the simplest terms, the answer to that question is yes. There's okay. uh, um, it, these bands are massive, as you can imagine. Uh, uh, and, and yes, they, they require more manpower, uh, per unit. Um, so there, that's how we've got to this. We're in a good place with, uh, you know, keeping the same level of employment, um, throughout the contract here as we, we transition. So. Yeah. And, and you're right. They are big. You know, we keep saying van, but when I look at the photos of what's been released, they, they are much larger than what many people would characterize as the traditional van. They're, they're bigger than, um, what we have seen on the roads, um, over the years. Correct. Like they're, they're not a van. They're almost more like a bus size or a small bus size. Are they not? Yeah. Yeah. They're very much, uh, um, you know, they, they look like a, they definitely look like a purpose built delivery, uh, vehicle, um, a little bit different than, than the, you know, the Chevy express and the GMC Savannah that we build right. uh, currently. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, a uh, a very unique opportunity and, and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, work on what else there could be with that. Right. So could we do different variants of that van down the road? And those are all things that are, you know, up for discussion at this point, as we start to get deeper with customers and demonstrate the capability. Let's talk about that because Unifor has mentioned variants, that exact word, and the potential for other vehicles, uh, to be assembled at Cami. Is that the long-term plan there? Um, what is the longer-term production plan there? Uh, different vehicles altogether or just variants of that van, um, an increased number in production? Yeah, I think that the first and foremost, we gotta, we got to get the, the first one out the gate, right? The CB600 sure. um, is, is absolutely our priority uh, to do that, to do it well, um, get it in customers' hands, uh, create that demand, um, and, and, and go from there. But uh, we do, we do see, as I mentioned, what the, what this business is. Um, and it's a global business, right? So it's, it's far beyond North America, but, uh, um, we do see a lot of upside here. And, and I think variants are going to be a, a solution uh, that we'll look at down the road. And, but right now I are all hands on deck because we, we, <laughs> we need, vehicles by the end of the year here to fulfill our um uh, our commitments to fedex uh and then you know we will get into full operation uh into in the 22 uh of production um but it's it's going to be uh much like oshawa and that's the beauty of you know this now it's up to two billion dollar investment that we're putting into canada um between oshawa and st Catharines and what we're doing here in cami it's all happening as quickly as it possibly can, right? So this is uh, work is being done in Oshawa as we speak, and and it's going to be done here in Cami. Um, if they're not in there already, they will be shortly. So it's going to happen quick. I mean, how important is it to get this thing on the road by the end of the year? What kind of message does that send to potential customers that GM can get this done? Are you feeling any pressure in Canada to fulfill that order by the end of the year? I just wonder how important it really is in landing new customers when you can show that, look how quickly we turn this thing around. 
Yeah, and I, I, it's 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 very important. Um, and and if you look at where the competitive set is here, you know we're we're in a really good space. Uh, there's some threatening to get into this business uh, in the near future. Uh, there's others that are claiming to be in the business or getting there sooner than later, but their capabilities are are nowhere near what this band's capability is. So for us to truly get that on the road in the market uh, by the end of the year in customers' hands. Um, we'll, we'll speak volumes for our capability. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Canada to deliver that. And, uh, but it's going to be a proud day when, when, when we do it. And, and there's a lot of confidence in our team that, that we're going to do it. So it's, uh, it's just a matter of getting, getting there and, and putting our heads down and doing it. And we're on it. How will the batteries be supplied to Cami? Um, there isn't a battery factory in Ontario. I just wonder where the batteries come from for these trucks, at least early on. Yeah, ultimately the battery, you know, our Altium battery uh, plant that we're building uh, in, in Ohio and the States uh, is going to be the, the place that, that all of our electric vehicles in the future will be fed from and uh, uh, this one uh, included. So, that that is the the ultimate plan is to to have uh, that plant uh, fulfill uh, this operation. So let's zoom out for a second. Then, do you see Ontario having its own battery cell or EV battery plant supplying, um, maybe not just GM or but but other automakers, or will all of GM's batteries always come from south of the border? Well, we certainly have a plan to to you know to feed our needs um, from our own plant okay. uh, and we're going to be capable to do that. However, I will tell you that the the government, Ontario and the federal government are very interested in, in what they can do to try to support, uh, you know, this kind of uh, shift, if you will, to electrification and, and what role could Canada play uh, in the batteries uh, specifically. We've got some, dialogue with the government tomorrow on, on that front as a, as an auto sector, um, uh, to, to, you know, kind of go deeper into that and, and what could we do together to potentially, uh, have Canada be a part of that solution. So, uh, you know, never say never. I, uh, we certainly have a plan to do what we need to do right now. Um, but, uh, always open to having further dialogue around it. This was the, uh, the latest, um, what some would categorize as a win for Unifor. But in 2017, Unifor struck the Cami plant for nearly a month. In 2019, Unifor threw up a two-week blockade at GM Canada's headquarters um, to protest the end of production at Oshawa then. Obviously, it's returned now. But now the company has pledged more than $2 billion worth of investments in plants across Ontario. How did the relationship with Unifor uh, change so relatively quickly, and how would you assess or characterize the relationship with the union right now? Yeah, I would. I, I would say we're in a good place. It's. It's. Uh, it's certainly, you know, uh, hasn't been all, uh, you know, easy street for either side uh, over the years. Uh, you know, we as a company have have always looked to Canada uh, as a huge opportunity, and and you know, business plays itself out in. in in ways that sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't and, and you got to do what you got to do with it. And I would tell you that, uh, uh, you know, this is, uh, we've, we've been looking for the right solutions that make sense in, in Canada. Um, and, and we've had a couple big wins here recently and, 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 you know, we need our partners at Unifor to, to be there with us, to make this work. And, uh, 
um, you know, we, uh, we quickly got to the table, we rolled up our, our sleeves and, and, and looked at the opportunities and, and collectively together came up with solutions, uh, that made it made, make a lot of sense for our company to invest the money we're investing. And, and as I, I've tried to point out throughout, uh, you know, the past couple of years that, you know, we, we never give up on, on Canada, never will. And, and we'll always look for opportunities uh, down the road and we're not done here. And this is massive, but, uh, uh, we're we're going to look to continue to grow our engineering capabilities and technology. We're opening that test track that we built at Oshawa here uh, in a couple months. Um, you know, we're we're really really poised to do some great great things uh, in Canada for many years to come, and and uh, it's going to take uh, some partnership with the Unifor to continue to make that happen. I think we're we're in a good place uh, today. Uh, it's also going to take partnership from the governments, I think. Um, this new investment at CAMI, um, like all the investments recently announced by all the members of the Detroit Three, is contingent on government aid, or at least sort of tied to it. Um, what is GM Canada specifically looking for from the federal and provincial governments in this case? Is it a percentage of the cost? Is it tax breaks? I just wonder what it is um, that you're looking for from both levels of government. Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. I And I would tell you that... Uh, um, you know, both governments have been more than supportive, uh, as well as the local governments, as you can imagine, uh, uh, in the cities where we have uh, facilities that we're investing, especially, are, are very excited. But, uh, you know, from a, a federal level, I would tell you that we are, uh, I think we're, we're greatly aligned with uh, uh, what uh, the plans are uh, for Canada in, in trying to push um, you know, innovation and electrification and uh, reducing, uh, you know, greenhouse gases. So uh, they've got uh, some funds uh, that they've set aside um, here that this um, uh, new fund, which I'm going to now forget the, uh, the name of it. It's uh, a net zero accelerator fund, which is something that they're, they're trying to even accelerate what companies are willing to do from a, from a, uh, you know, a, uh, a certainly a greenhouse uh, gas kind of friendly uh, investment. So we're we're uh, we're on board uh, with them, and 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 they're you know they've got those funds, and we're we're working hard to come to some kind of an agreement with them. And and on the on the Ontario side of it, you know, there's uh, like I mentioned before, they've done some great things to to help us with business in general, with taxes, and and certainly uh, our. Um, uh, our utility expense, uh, but they also have been very, very supportive of, of wanting to do what they can uh, to ensure that uh, these investments happen and happen quickly um, and, uh, you know, that they're there uh, for, for the long haul. So more to come. I, we don't have anything to announce, and, and we'll do that collectively together when, when the time's right, but uh, uh, very positive in, in the response that we're getting from, from both. Certainly huge wins over the last few months. Um, certainly exciting times in the Canadian auto industry. Um, Scott, I thank you for joining me. A great conversation as always. You're always accessible. I appreciate it as always. Um, thanks so much. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time and uh, I look forward to carrying these conversations through 21. It should be good. So thank you. We reached Scott at his office in the GTA. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion or simply want to comment, Email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. 
Just click the Canada Conversations tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.